Today we finish up 2 Timothy. Um, it's an interesting little journey that the Lord has put me on. Um, reading John's last letters. Reading Timothy's last letter. Paul's letter to Timothy. And I think after this, uh, my next step will go to Peter's last letters. So, it's been interesting to me in the sense that you get a you get a real glimpse into somebody's heart and mind when they don't have much time left it's it's funny i was with my older brother when he passed and uh on the day that he passed and we spent a lot of time reminiscing and covering ground and him asking me to forgive him for this or that or the other thing that had happened in our lives together. And uh, he was really trying to make peace. That was what was really, really important to him. And Paul and I didn't have problems, really. I mean, no more than any brother, any other pair of brothers does. But he knew he was at the end. And he wanted to make sure that things were clear. That was what was important to him. Well, Paul's at the end and he wants to make sure that Timothy knows what's really, really important. And as I said before, I hope that, uh, that God gives me time to tell those that I love how much they mean to me and what I feel is important. In fact, this, these podcasts and these Bible studies are part of that. I want my grandchildren to have some kind of visual and uh, audio record of their grandfather and what he thinks is important. And and I'm hoping that they will see that in this and that they will someday read this and listen to this. So, that being the case, we're going to finish up uh, his letter to Second Timothy, his le- second letter to Timothy, excuse me. And it's, it's chapter 4. And up until now, he has uh, uh, encouraged Timothy to not be timid, to not be afraid, don't let people look down on him for his youth, um, and to rightly divide the word of truth. And again, I thought it was kind of amusing because Timothy's probably 40, perhaps 50 years old at this point. This is A.D. 65-ish. Paul's in prison under Nero. Um, and we know that Nero was gone, I think, in AD 68, if I remember correctly, my history correctly. And so this puts it toward the, uh, towards the AD 65, 66, right around that time frame. Peter is also in Rome getting ready to be killed by Nero. So Peter and Paul kind of uh, go out at the same time. Um. And if that's the case, uh, records have it have Timothy dying around AD 80 or 90, close to the time that John the Apostle died. And according to the records that I saw, uh, Timothy probably lived into his 70s, maybe 80s. So if that's the case, let's just say 
70. He was 70 years old when he died in Ephesus. Then that would make this 50, him 50 years old when Paul writes this letter and tells him, don't, don't let anybody look down on you for your youth. Who would he write that about? Oh, John the Apostle was coming, was through town a lot. Peter was there a lot. Um, Timothy was a second generation leader, Christian leader. Sometimes in the presence of eyewitnesses of the Savior that he'd only heard about and read about. John, Peter, any of the other apostles that went through Ephesus, and later Paul. Uh, that had to have been intimidating. So that's where we're at right now. So Paul is getting ready to wrap up his letter to Timothy, and he's really going to uh, get personal with him here. Let's, let's see what he has to say. In the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. This sure sounds like the uh, last will and testament from somebody, doesn't it? Um, he's telling Timothy to preach the word. Be prepared in season, out of season. Now, that's, that phrase, preach the word, that's important because the false teachers that were attacking the church, and we see a lot of that stuff here today, um, they focused on minutiae and allegorical applications of things and didn't really spend a lot of time necessarily on the truth of the words within the word, within the Bible. Here's a great example, a modern day example. Back, way back in the 70s when I became a, a Christian for the first time, there was a movement that I later came to call uh, get all you can and can all you get. Uh, it was a prosperity gospel that preached that God wanted us healthy, God wanted us rich, uh, God wanted us influential. And one of the verses that they used all the time was first Corinthians was it was the Philippians 4:13 yeah I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me and they would take that verse and they would take and list all the all things that they could do they'd use that verse and apply it to their wealth gaining of wealth to the gaining of stature to the gaining of prosperity to the gaining gaining of fame and fortune um especially health I can do all things through Christ's strength in me. All right. In and of itself, you can make that verse say anything you want it to say. But when you put it within context of the other words around it, Paul was saying when he wrote, he says, I have known what it's like to have plenty. I have known what it's like 
to have nothing. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He's talking about the power to endure through good and bad times. Not the power to accumulate wealth. Not the power to accumulate health. But there are many Bible teachers who would take that verse and just run with it. And that's kind of what false teachers do. They ignore the context. They ignore they ignore the territory around a verse. And they make that verse say what they want it to say. And Paul is telling Timothy, I want you to preach the word. Let the word do the talking. The Bible is plain enough. The Bible can speak for itself. The Bible can stand on itself. The word is powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, the Bible tells us. And Timothy preached the word. This is why we have to have a steady diet of God's word into our lives every day. We need to familiarize ourselves with the whole counsel of the word, not just pick and choose, cherry pick verses that help us, uh, that we think are going to help us get rich or get healthy, etc. Now, as pertaining to the health, you know, in the prosperity teaching that God wants us healthy, apparently Paul never learned that. Because Paul was ill. He had a physician with him, Luke. You may have heard of him. He wrote a gospel. Uh, Paul was always constantly suffering hardships, imprisonments, illness. And in fact, later he was, shortly after this letter, he was executed by the emperor. So Paul's view of the scripture was not that God wanted him healthy, wealthy, and wise. Paul says the scripture is adequate for teaching, for rebuking, for setting people straight. Preach the word, preach the entire word is what he's hinting at here. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage. Um, sometimes it's not convenient to speak the entire counsel of the word. But Paul says, you be prepared in and out of season for this. Uh, the time's going to come when people will not put up with sound doctrine, the teaching of the word. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. And we see that today. Some of the most monumentally huge Christian ministries are very much centered around positive mental attitude, um, preaching what people want to hear, and taking advantage of the fact that many people want to belong to a big church because it's socially acceptable and it's a good place to network. As sad as that may sound, that's happening. Uh, and I've, you've heard me mention this before. An old Presbyterian preacher that I used to know used to talk about the church visible and the church invisible. The church visible is everybody who shows up. The church invisible will be those that will be left after the rest fall away. The true believers. But there are a lot of people who look like it. And there are a lot, some churches that preach to put people in the seats. They don't preach to change lives. They preach to put people in the seats. So when Paul is talking here that he wants 
Timothy to be prepared in season and out of seasons with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. They'll turn their ears from the truth and turn aside to myths. There was a, a movement back in my day again. And I came out of a charismatic background. And one of the reasons I left some of the one of the churches I was at is because they were starting to believe that we believers could send angels out to do our, our bidding. Anytime I remember in the Bible seeing an angel showing up, he's not there to take orders from the humans, us humans. And I, it, I, it just didn't sit right with me and I, I don't believe it is right. And so I left. But it gives a sense of power and prestige to a believer. So I can see why some people would want to listen to that kind of stuff. It puts you in charge. The truth of the matter is we're not in charge. God is in charge. He is sovereign. Anything that attacks the sovereignty of God and puts me in charge, I am suspect of. You keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge the duties of your ministry. Wait a minute. You're supposed to endure hardship? I thought God didn't want us to have hardship. See what I'm getting at? Hardship is part of it. The world's going to hate you. These, Some of these other quote-unquote ministries are trying to make it so that the society accepts you as a Christian. It's never going to accept us. It might be bubbling under the surface now, but there will come a time when our world will turn on us. And in parts of the world right now, the world is turning upon Christians. Christians are dying. Christians are being persecuted. Christians are being executed just for being Christians. Now, Paul in verse 6 here says, I remember in verse 5 it says, Keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of evangelists, discharge all the duties of your ministry. And when you see the word for, substitute the word because. Discharge all the duties of your ministry because I am already being poured out like a drink offering. And the time for my departure is near. Paul is saying, I'm done. It's up to you now. You keep your head in all situations. You endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge the duties of your ministry. Because I am already being poured out like a drink offering. And the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Powerful statement. He knows what's coming. This is his second imprisonment in Rome. This time he knows he's not leaving. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. There's a crown of righteousness reserved for us. Paul did not succumb to fear. He recognized the obvious. His end is near. But that's just his end here. He's going to Narnia, to borrow from C.S. Lewis. 
he knows what's in store for him. He's finished his race. He's done all he could do. And now it's time just to wait for God, to wait for the Lord to bring him home. Do your best to come to me quickly. He hasn't got much time left. Please come quickly. For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. People fall away. They fall away because they were never really, really part of it. Um, when, When it's popular, people sign up. When it's unpopular, people run away. Christians has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. These are these are people he knew. Only Luke is with me, Luke the physician. Get Mark and bring him with you. Mark was one of Paul's first disciples. Get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. That's kind of neat to hear. Because if you read in the book of Acts, Paul got pretty fed up with Mark because Mark didn't want to stay the course with him on his one of his missionary journeys. And Paul dismissed him. Looks like they've mended fences. Get Mark and bring him with you because he's helpful to me in my ministry. I sent Tychicus to Ephesus. And when you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas and my scrolls, especially the parchments. Can you imagine a man of his intellect not having access to something to read, to exercise his mind, to fill his heart? Hmm. Alexander the metal worker did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he's done. You too should be on your guard against him because he strongly opposed our message. Now, I think there's mention of Alexander. It's either in Acts or 1 Corinthians where Paul is writing. Uh, but apparently Alexander is one of these false teachers. And... Did went out of his way to cause harm to Paul, to hamper his teaching, to hamper his ministry there in Asia. You too should be on your guard against him because he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, now he's talking about at his first defense in front of Nero, his present imprisonment, not what happened before. At my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. Well, Nero was a crazy man. Nero was a pretty frightening individual. I would imagine it would be very difficult to to muster up the courage to stand with Paul against a crazy man like that. At my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. Paul understood. He was in front he was in front of a very psychotic individual. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. Paul preached anyway. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. Now, Paul couldn't have been fed to the lions because he was a Roman citizen. They had other ways of executing Roman citizens. Beheading was the primary one. Uh, If you were not a Roman citizen... They could feed you to the lions. They could crucify you, that kind of thing. So this is rhetorical. I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. You know, it's Paul is recognizing that um, 
he's he's going to be leaving soon that he is going to die and he looked at death as deliverance and as the lord at the lord rescuing him from the evil attacks because you know it's it's once you die Paul wrote one place to be absent from the body is to be present with the lord the minute the axman's axe fell on Paul he's in the presence of god and he knew that so he looked at the upcoming death as rescue and deliverance and it was the way that was going to take him safely to his heavenly kingdom that is those are the words of a man who is totally comfortable with the sovereignty of god who is totally completely at rest in the fact that god was bringing him home more than nero was executing him god was bringing him home that was just the way it was going to happen every one of us and someday is going to come to that moment where we are going to go home. We are going to close our eyes here, open our eyes there. Those of us who are believers will close our eyes here, open our eyes here, there in the presence of God, and we will hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Welcome, well, welcome now to the joy of the Lord. We will go to the house prepared for us, that Jesus has prepared for us. We will go towards the tasks that God has prepared for us that stretch beyond the time we have in our body in this world. This world is not our home. Paul knew that. Oh, powerful words. Now let's see if Paul's going to sign off. He says to Timothy, Greet Priscilla and Aquila. Aquila. They, by the way, they were very precious friends of Paul helped him in his ministry and apparently there was a house church in Ephesus that they had. Greet Priscilla and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. Onesiphorus. Erastus stayed in Corinth and I left Trophimus sick in Miletus. Do your best to get here before winter. See, even though Paul knew that his death was imminent, that Nero was coming for him, he still looked forward. Why not? God's in charge. What if God delivered her from this? It was, it meant neither one thing or the other to Paul. Either God was going to deliver him from this by taking him out of Rome, or God was going to deliver him from this by death. But he proceeded, he still took the long, long view. Do your best to get here before winter, because he loves Timothy. Eubulus greets you, so do Pudens, Linus, Claudia, and all the brothers and sisters in the Roman church. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you all. And thus concludes Paul's final letter to Timothy. What did we learn? We learned that Paul was not afraid of dying. This was no false bravado. He knew the truth. God is sovereign. Close your eyes here, open your eyes there. Paul was confident in Timothy. He had trained Timothy. 
Timothy was a good leader. Paul knew who the false teachers were. And again, comparing John to Paul, John tells us what Christianity, what a Christian should look like. Love God, love your neighbor. Paul, he focuses more on what a Christian should think like. Both of them are like two sides of a coin uh, dealing with the problem of false teachers and false teachings. John said you can identify a true Christian by what they look like and what they act like. These false teachers are very self-centered. A true Christian teacher is outward focused. Paul is saying that these false teachers need to be compared to what the word says. What they say needs to be compared to what the word says. And his response, his command to Timothy is to be true to the word. Preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Let the word do the talking. Don't involve yourself with stupid, silly arguments and about words and phrases. Put the entire counsel of the word out there and let the word do its work. John says, this is what Christians look like. Paul says, this is what Christians think like and speak like. The focus of a Christian teacher is on the word of God, not on what they think about certain parts of the word. The entire counsel of the word will be the earmark of a good Christian teacher. All right. Having said that, young ladies and jelly spoons and older ladies and older jelly spoons, Teacher Paige, here's my coffee. I'm out of here. Bye-bye.